Amen. It is so good to be with you, so good to hear your voices. I'm so thankful that you're here this morning. And I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bible to the book of Exodus. Um, We are in the fourth week, I guess the fifth week of a sermon series in the book of Exodus. And uh, we will continue to march on um, this morning. Uh, This morning, we will take a further look at the scene when the Lord is talking with Moses through the burning bush. And as is our custom, we'll be pairing this reading with a reading from um, the New Testament. This reading will be from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. And Josie West will be reading that in just a moment. So let's listen closely and carefully to this God's word from Exodus chapter 3 and then Exodus chapter 4. So Exodus chapter 3 Beginning verse 10. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you. Then from verse 13 of Exodus chapter 3. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What am I going to tell them? God says to Moses, I am who I am. He said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And then from Exodus chapter 4, beginning of verse 1. Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a staff. He said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. And then from verse 10 of Exodus 4. But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf? or seeing, or blind. Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and I will teach you what you shall speak. But he said, oh my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him, put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. And now from Second Corinthians. I'll be reading from the New Testament, our New Testament reading tonight, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. 
For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, in your kindness and in your mercy, we ask now that you would do the thing that only you can do. And that is by the power of your spirit that you would shine light on these words that are in your word. Would you shine light on uh, the words that I have prepared? Lord, and would you use these words to great effect in our hearts and in our souls? Lord, in particular this morning, we pray that you would use these words to give us great strength because of our Lord Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. I mean, in our first week in Exodus, um, I brought you by way of sermon introduction some lyrics to a song by Bob Dylan. And in our second week, I brought you some lyrics to a hymn by a man named William Cooper. And in our third week together, um, I brought you lyrics from a kid's song. That kid's song was, My God is so, so, sh- and so, great job. And last week, I brought you a quote from a theologian, a theologian who says that God is what God does, meaning God's actions and his character are always aligned. But in our fifth week together, I just want to bring you a bold statement. And and when I say it, you're going to shake your head and kind of nod at me because you're in church. And of course, course what he's about to say is true. But it's a statement that takes your whole life takes your whole life to really live and let's sink down to the deepest parts of your heart and your soul. So here's the statement. It's the bold statement of the morning. The Lord's presence with you is better than some kind of certainty about the future. The Lord's presence with you is better than some kind of certainty about the future. I'll say it one more time. The Lord's presence with you is better than some kind of certainty about the future. And I want to give you a second bold statement to go with it. The Lord's power on your behalf is better than your own strength. The Lord's presence with you is better than certainty about the future, and the Lord's power at work for you is better than your own strength. Of course, of course, Joel. But man, it's hard to live as if that's true, isn't it? And I I bring you those bold statements because I think the conversation that happens in these chapters between the Lord and Moses has been constructed and told to us in such a way to make that very point. 
The Lord's presence going ahead of Moses is going to be better than some kind of certainty about how it's all gonna go. And the Lord's power at work for Moses and for the people of Israel is going to be better as, than if Moses had his own strength. So the main thing I want you to hear this morning, if you don't hear anything else I say, it's the simplest thing you could possibly hear, but it's so important. The Lord's our strength. The Lord is our strength. So I want to take a look at these five objections Moses has when the Lord begins to talk to him from the bush in order to make that point that the Lord is our strength. But before we look at these five objections, let me just give you a recap of this story so far. If you remember in chapter one, um, God's people are flourishing, they're multiplying. The promises of God that one day, this, this man named Abram would have a family that would be more numerous than the sand on the seashore, more numerous than the stars in the sky. These promises are coming true, but they're coming true in the strangest of places in Egypt. And because God's people are multiplying and they're growing and they're flourishing, the Pharaoh, the king in Egypt, becomes nervous and scared. So he enslaves the people in order to press them down, but they only keep multiplying. So he becomes even more frustrated and he issues an edict that all male babies be killed. But there's this bold faith and defiance of these Hebrew midwives and that isn't working out for Pharaoh. So he says, fine, cast all babies in the Nile. And that doesn't work out too good for Pharaoh because there's one baby who's put into the Nile, literally in a basket, and the Nile becomes the very vehicle and avenue by which he floats to safety in order to become the deliverer to completely foil the Pharaoh's plans. And this baby Moses grows up in Egypt he struggles because he has this kind of Hebrew background, but he's also a prince in Egypt. He, he murders a man, it's found out. He's off into the wilderness. In that wilderness place, the Lord gives him a family, but he's just out in the wilderness, and the Lord begins to talk to him from a burning bush. And in that conversation is where we pick up again this morning. I want you to look with me at Exodus chapter 3, verse 10. We're going to look at what the Lord says. We're going to look at how Moses feels a, an objection to that in God's response. Chapter 3, verse 10. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? See, Moses' first objection is, I am not very powerful or important. At least I'm not anymore. I'm out in the wilderness. I'm really, really not the person that you really want to send to Pharaoh. I'm not. The Pharaoh kind of knows about me. That's how I'm off in Egypt, or at least the, the, the royal household in Egypt kind of know about me. That's why I've had to flee. I'm not the guy. And listen to the Lord's response. What you'll notice is he doesn't remind Moses that he has a resume that makes him sufficient for the task. He doesn't tell Moses that his, you know, Myers-Briggs is a certain thing, so he'll be fine. Myers-Briggs is one of these personality tests. Okay. I really thought you'd 
be into that one. But, but listen to the Lord's response, verse 12. He said, but I will be with you. But I will be with you. And by the way, this will be the sign for you that I have sent you when you have brought the people of Egypt, brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. We talked last week about how the sign is strange, but it's not like God gives him a sign in order to confirm that he should go. He just is told he'll go and he'll get the sign later. I'm not, I'm not the, the guy for this task. And the Lord's answer is, I will be with you which is not exactly an answer. But see, the Lord's presence going with them is better than some sort of certainty about how it would unfold. Verse 13, there's a second objection Moses has. Because the Lord says, well, I'm going to go with you. And here's going to be the sign. I will do everything I promised. So then Moses has another objection. Verse 13, then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? So what Moses is kind of saying is like, you know, it's been a while since all these promises of Abraham. And what if the people in Egypt, what if God's people in Egypt, what if they don't even necessarily know which God we're referring to? Then what am I supposed to say? Verse 14, God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And we talked about this at length last week, but the Lord is in essence saying, I am utterly holy, unique, and distinct. I do not fit into any category that you know of. I'm the Lord. I'm the one who guides. I'm the one who controls. I'm the one who rules. I'm the one who reigns. I'm the one who sets the agenda here. And I will be what I will be, meaning I will come through on every single thing that I promise. Trust me. Watch me. Now, it's an answer, but it's not the answer that Moses is looking for. See, Moses is trying to get out of this, and the Lord's simply drawing him deeper into it, drawing him into a relationship because the Lord's presence and the Lord's covenantal relationship with Moses is going to be better than some sort of certainty about how it will all go. If we go down to chapter four, verse one, we get Moses' third objection. By the way, in few places in scripture do we get such a conversation between God and a person. Chapter four, verse one. Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. 
See, what Moses is saying here is, Lord, you don't understand. I have no power to do this. I have no strength to do this. I am not very persuasive. Listen to the Lord's answer. It's a strange answer. Verse two, the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a staff. And another example of how the Lord never asks questions that he does not already know the answer to. He said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. And, and when Moses throws the staff on the ground, it becomes a snake. Then he says, pick it up by the tail. And Moses picks it by the tail and it becomes a staff again. And the Lord says, take your hand and put it in your cloak. And he takes his hand, he puts it in his cloak. And he takes his hand out of his cloak and it's leprous, it's, it's white. Something has been transformed in his hand and he puts it back in the cloak and it comes out and it's back to normal again. That's the Lord's answer. I have no power, Lord. I don't have the strength for this, Lord. I'm not that persuasive, Lord. And the Lord simply says, I have all power. And I am unbelievably persuasive. Just watch. Which is not the answer that Moses is looking for. You almost get the sense that Moses wants, perhaps, I mean, sure, he wants to get out of it to not have to do it. But maybe he wants the Lord to somehow point him to some kind of self-sufficiency that he has within himself. And the whole point is Moses doesn't have it. This is maybe a pastoral comment to make to you this morning as an aside. Have you run up against your complete lack of sufficiency for whatever the thing is? I know I have. But the Lord says, I have the power and I am persuasive, which is better than if Moses had his own strength. So we go on down to verse 10, and Moses has a fourth objection. I mean, it's just unreal to see it unfold, isn't it? And it's unreal to see it unfold, but man, isn't it real? Because isn't this the way that it always unfolds for you all of the time? Verse 10 of chapter four, but Moses said to the Lord, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past, like I've never been, or since you've spoken to me just a little while ago in the bush, like, like I am slow of speech and tongue. So what scholars think is Moses is referring to something like a speech impediment, like a stammering and a stuttering. And how's he gonna go before Pharaoh and say, let my people go? He probably can't even say that. He can't even literally get the words out of his mouth to do this. Like, you really have the wrong person. I really don't have it within me. I can't even talk very well. And, and the, whole go, the whole thing is for me to say a thing to Pharaoh. And here's the Lord's answer. 
Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth, who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and here's the thing, I will be with your mouth and I will teach you what to say. See, the the Lord's answer is, I am aware, Moses. I'm, I'm deeply, deeply aware of your inadequacy. I really am aware. I mean, I made your mouth. When I knit you together in your mother's womb, to use the words of the psalmist, I made your mouth. But I will be with your mouth. Which is not the answer that Moses is looking for because no one, no one wants their exact weaknesses to be the very thing put on display. Nobody wants that. But hear me. The Lord's presence with Moses, the Lord's strength in Moses' weaknesses is going to be better than if Moses had his own strength. And then we come to Moses' fifth objection, and I'll throw it out there this morning. It's my favorite one. I like them all. I can relate to them all, but I really can relate to number five. Verse 13, but he, that's Moses, says, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. I don't even know how to paraphrase what Moses is saying other than what he said. (laughs) Please, please, please send someone else. And the Lord's response is interesting, verse 14. The anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. That That made the Lord angry. But the Lord responds in mercy, kindness, and provision, which is how the Lord responds to his people. Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he's coming to meet you. When he sees you, he'll be glad in heart. In other words, you're about to kind of run into Aaron here in just a few minutes when you go down out of the wilderness. And you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. But here's the catch. Here's what the Lord says. Because I'm going to be with your mouth and I'll be with his mouth. In other words, Aaron really doesn't have what it takes either. So I'll just be with both of you now. And I will be with both of your mouths. And I'm going to teach both of you what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. So take in your hand this staff. That's the very staff that you're going to use to do the signs. That's the conversation. That's the objection. That's the Lord's response. 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 That's the objection. And that's the Lord's response five times over. So here's the question for us this morning. What what is God trying to say here? Okay, what is the Lord trying to say? If, If all we had, if all we had was this conversation between the Lord and Moses, if that's all we had, What's the Lord trying to say? What's he trying to get across? What's he trying to get across this morning to you? See, because y'all listen to me. This, This is more than a thing that happened. 
It's the one thing we gotta continue to remember about this book of Exodus. It's true of all the scriptures, but it's especially true in the book of Exodus. Exodus is a pattern book. It shows us a pattern of the way God works. So this is more than a thing that happened back there somewhere, or more than a thing that happened down that, off in the past, but I'm telling you, it is something that happens between God and his people. What is he trying to say? I think what the Lord is trying to say is, the Lord, I am the Lord, and I will be your strength. But if you wanted to hear it from other places in the scripture, it would sound like this. See, later, this same people, this people of Israel, they will be up against the Red Sea wall out of strength, out of resources, enemies surrounding, not knowing what it has, not knowing, or knowing they don't have what it takes and not sure of what lies ahead. And then the same conversation between the Lord and Moses will sound like this. It will be Moses who will say to the people, do not be afraid, stand firm. You're going to see the deliverance of the Lord The Egyptians you see today, you're never gonna see again. And here's why, because the Lord will fight for you. All you need to do is be still. Moses' successor, Joshua, it'll sound like this. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, because the Lord your God is going to be with you wherever you go. If you wanna know how it would sound, between the Lord and King David? I'm fast forwarding in the biblical timeline here. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from following a flock around to be my ruler over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone. Implication, I'm not gonna stop being with you and giving you my strength. If you wanted it from the words of the psalmist, it sounds like this. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. And what can man do to me? If you wanted to hear it from the prophet Isaiah, it would sound like this. But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, I have redeemed you. You are mine. I've called you by your name, you are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you go through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you won't be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. From the prophet Jeremiah, I am the Lord, you are mine. Is there anything too hard for me? The answer is no. Now, now it sounds even more clear and more powerful. This conversation between the Lord and Moses speaks in a loud voice in the person and work of Jesus. Because one of the twist in the biblical story is this same Lord who's speaking to Moses in a burning bush is himself the great I am in human flesh. I mean, seriously, the gospels are written in such a way to show you that very point. 
in this very language. I'll give you a couple examples. There's a conversation when Jesus is having an argument with the Pharisees, and the Pharisees are saying, we're children of Abraham. And then Jesus says to them, before Abraham was born, I am. And they pick up stones because they want to kill him. There's a place in the Gospel of John where these soldiers are coming to get Jesus to arrest him. And it's Jesus who then walks out to the soldiers and says, who are you seeking? They say, we're seeking Jesus of Nazareth. Do you know where he is? In your English Bibles, it says, the one who's speaking to you is he. But the words are, I am. And the soldiers fall down when he says it. There's a time where Jesus is is walking on water. They say, kind of, who are you? And he says, I am. See, Jesus is the great I am in his own person. But it's the Lord Jesus that the scriptures tell us keeps entrusting himself to God. He keeps trusting the Father. Because even for Jesus, even for Jesus, the Father's strength was better than even his own strength. Empowering him as he fulfills his mission. And it's the Lord Jesus who says, I will neither leave you nor forsake you because his presence with you is better than if you had certainty, better than if you had your own strength. If you wanted to know what it would sound like from the Apostle Paul, it'd sound like this. We have this treasure in jars of clay in order to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Or as Josie read earlier, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The Lord is our strength. His strength, his power for you is better than if you had your own. His presence with you is better than if you had certainty about the future. Y'all, I've been a pastor in some way, shape, and form until some nice people in San Antonio, Texas gave me a job in 2005. So I'm almost 20 years into this. And what I have learned is that there are three kinds of people. Three kinds of people. There are the people of whom it is true that the Lord's strength is all they have. They just don't know it yet. That's type one. There's a second type. The second type of person, they are people for whom it is true that the Lord's strength is all that they have. They are aware of it, and they're just frustrated by that. Because they'd rather have their own strengths and their own certainty. And there's a third kind of person. The Lord's strength is all that they have. They're aware of it, and they are learning to delight in that fact. You know, I cannot possibly know this morning where you need the Lord's strength. I cannot possibly know this morning where you feel your own weaknesses so profoundly. 
I cannot possibly know this morning where you just really would like to have certainty about something in the future. I cannot possibly know this morning where you've come to the end of yourself. But what I do know is that this Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what I do know is just like the Lord will be Moses' strength in everything that lies ahead, the Lord will be your strength in everything that lies ahead. And that strength really will be enough for you. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, these things, of course, are easier to talk about from a pulpit than to live in the reality and light of, in the very real things that are before us. Lord, I ask that these truths would be um, sunk deep in our hearts in such a way that it would strengthen us. I pray that they would be sunk so deep in our hearts that we would yield in obedience to you. Lord, we ask that you would use these truths, Lord, to give us great hope in our Lord Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.